You're a spiritual powerhouse. God is. Well, yeah. Did you feel that? Bill, did you feel that? <clears throat> good answer. The Holy Spirit just showed up. This is going to be good. It's always good when we're <laughs> in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> You're listening to Lead Him to Life, where it's our prerogative to explore what it means to be authentically human and fully alive. We have far more questions than answers, but believe that extraordinary answers can be found in the ordinariness of a journey. I'm your host, Emily Leadham. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of Lead Him to Life. Season three is underway. I hope that you've been able to catch the first two episodes. It's been such a joy um, to get some messages and emails about things that are stirring in your heart. And I am delighted. Okay, I feel a little unbalanced here. I feel like uh, this guest should be like the first episode of the season or the finale, but there's something so beautifully uh, extraordinary in the ordinary reality of showing up for the third episode of season three, Bishop Donald DeGrood. Welcome hey. to Lead Him to Life. Thank you. What a privilege to uh, to be a part of it. And you know what? It's in the ordinary that often we find the extraordinary things happening. Have you listened to Lead Him to Life? Uh, that's not a fair question to ask you. Yeah, don't ask Sorry. that question. That's, that's what I say in my introduction. There you go. Look at that. Um, what's your middle name? Edward. I thought it was Eugene. Edward. Who? Are, what's Edward after? Edward. That's after one of my uncles. Okay. Uncle Eddie. Uncle Eddie. And Donald That's is after, after your another uncle, uncle Donnie, right? Yes. So it's one from my mother's side and one from my dad's side. Beautiful. Um, I don't know why that was my first human interest question that I wanted to know about you. I knew it was Donald E. DeGroote, but I didn't know what it was for. Uh, you know. Well, thank you for taking time to come You're on Lead Unto Life today. So, You're welcome. Um, Bishop, today I really want to focus... One of the first things that you did when you got here was you gave all of the staff a book of the a copy of the book Interior Freedom. Yes. And in so many ways, I think <clears throat> it demonstrated to me a huge part of your heart and your uh -huh. desires for the people of God, for for communities, just for for happy, healthy, holy people yes. would be to experience this gift of of freedom. And so that intrigued me that you started out your time with us saying, Hey, this is really important, important uh -huh. enough that I'm going to give you this book. I want you to actually read it. And then we're going to get together for a day and we're going to talk about it. Um, and so I want to focus our conversation today really sure. kind of around um, interior freedom. Okay. And, Sounds good. And I want to start, if you'd be willing, to share a little bit about your upbringing, um, because I think it, um, in different pieces that you've shared about your life, some of the places where you maybe found a lack of interior freedom mm. or struggled with interior freedom was mm -hmm. in just the concrete reality of uh, of your upbringing. Life. Like all of the concrete reality of life. Of yeah, life. exactly. So I think to paint a little bit of picture, just to start, tell us a little yeah. bit about your upbringing. Well, I'm about as real and ordinary as they come. Uh, typical farm family uh, in um, Minnesota. So about an hour straight south of St. Paul, Minneapolis, Fairbilt. Um, blessed to have four brothers, uh, three or older and one younger, seven years younger than me. So I was the, oh, really? I was the baby until it was stolen away from me. All the privileges yeah, I got with wound. the baby. Oh, big wound. <laughs> Still working through that. Yes, indeed. But then I got the wound of the older brothers, of course, which I always throw them under the bus. And we have so much fun uh, when we get together, those right, kinds right. of things. 
Uh, because you always want to be like your older brothers, right? right? Or people that are older. And that's part of being a kid, part of being a boy, part of being an American, whatever it all is, all the things that you really want to be that you aren't yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe never will be, mm-hmm. right? Wanted to be that football player, wanted to be this, wanted to be that, all the normal human ordinary stuff mm-hmm. of life. Mm-hmm. So I was blessed with just a fantastic family. Uh, both my parents, just very simple, humble, hardworking uh, Catholics and really... Uh, what I would say is a very simple but deep faith. Uh, so they didn't have the type of even formation we'd have um, right. for faith formation even. Uh, so uh, they went to public schools most of their lives, um, country school, uh, certainly for my dad. And that was about actually about two and a half miles away. Well, not even that, probably a mile and a half from home. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and dad only went to eighth grade because he was needed back on the farm. So his education experience and their faith formation was pretty limited when you're on the farm back in those days. Uh, but it was through their active practice of the faith that they really picked up the faith. And it, it was more than just like a conceptual knowledge. It, it had that capacity to move to, this is who we are, this is a way of life, and we live out of this mm-hmm. as, you know, a sincere, good morals, family, farmers, mm-hmm. if you will, mm-hmm. as Catholics. So I was really blessed with that. I, I had uh, I have three aunts who were uh, religious sisters. Uh, so lots of uh, support for religious life in mm-hmm. my family, seeing the witness of my aunts as an example. Uh, and then uh, great prayer warriors along the way. My Uncle Donnie is one whom I've spoken of before. My aunts, I had um, other aunts who uh, some of them were not married and they were just you know living their vocations in beautiful, humble, simple ways. Uh, so I was just super, super blessed in so many ways. But, you know, is back in those days, uh, born in 1965, so back in those years when things in the church were in a lot of experimentation. And so there was a lot of uh, kind of different ways of trying to teach faith and what does that look like and how does this all uh, work and some uh, some pros and cons to all those things. And I would discover that more yeah. when I got to the college seminary and seeing the differences and and how people viewed even the, our Catholic faith. Yeah. Because growing up, it was just also really, you know, solid and ordinary with a wonderful, wonderful pa- pastor, uh, Father Francis Pouliot. Just a simple, humble country parish priest. Very, very humble. And so he was my great inspiration I would look up to, even though he's a short little guy, uh, and he himself had been a farm boy. Uh, so Was he the reason you first started thinking about the priesthood? Well, that was certainly the first model that I clearly have in my okay. mind as far as an image of, you know, boy, he'd be like the type of person, if I'm called to be a priest, I would want to be. You really? know, it was just, oh, yeah. Yeah, he was just very, very humble, very ordinary, very dedicated, very prayerful, uh, very diligent in his homily preparation and, and uh, mm-hmm. care for our family and other families. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Again, back to being an ordinary person, that's who I am. I'm a farm boy, and I still am. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just an ordinary guy that God gives grace at different times in different ways. Mm -hmm. But So farm life growing up was like any other farm kid. You know, you you had chores and tasks. Of course, my brothers teased me that they had the harder jobs because they they were older. Of course uh, And I always got the easy (laughs) jobs like sweeping the entry and making scalp potatoes and those kinds of dusting or doing cobwebs. You can tell you're making up for it now in this role as bishop. That's here, it's a busy job. Yes, <laughs> yes. Job. So they would razz me and still do uh, for those kinds of things because they had to go and do the heavier lifting right. stuff, right? Right. 
But we also had lots of fun, right? So we had a woods around the back, and uh, we did typical kids, boys things, all kinds of fun things out in the woods, and, uh, you know, football in the yard. And But I was small for my age, and so there was a sense of inadequacy, kind of to your question earlier, yeah. Emily, which I thought was good. Uh, you know, we all have different vulnerabilities, all things that kind of trigger, and, and often it goes to something when we're really young, as you would know, and the wonderful work that you're in now, and your training, and your education, uh, that there could be things from young on that really influence us, right? So when you're, um, you know, fourth to five boys, and you go over to your cousins, and there's a lot of boys there, and they're older too, and you play football, and you're often yeah, one of the last players. ones picked on the team, and you're often... Uh, you get beat up and, and bruised a bit because uh, that's part of playing football is right. backyard football, right? right? So we had a lot of fun, a lot of great memories. But there's that sense of, you know, uh, I would say a righteous fear, right? You're afraid you're going to get tackled <laughs> yeah. and beat up and hurt. I don't want another yeah. uh, wound to my leg, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So there's the simple point is there can be a lot of natural reasons uh, that can create this sense of fe feeling inadequate. And then sometimes we try to compensate for that. And so it's both the feeling of inadequacy and trying to take into our own hands or to compensate for something to try to f deal with whatever it is we were struggling with inside. Like, I don't feel adequate. I'm mm -hmm. not as fast. I'm not as big. I'm not as smart. I'm not as this. Mm -hmm. Studies weren't easy for me. So that'd be mm -hmm. another example where, so there was patterns in my life from young on that I interiorly felt inadequate. And mm -hmm. so then fear would set in. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I would try to overcompensate for that, or I'd overthink something, or I'd worry about something. And so as a child, I was not equipped, like most children, what how do you figure this, this out? Yeah. I don't know how to do this, yeah. right? Yeah, so it would only be through time that eventually that would kind of, I'd learn and grow how to, how do I deal with this anxiety, this fear, this, you know, feeling inadequate or trying to be someone or you know, we sometimes speak of like the mask we put up, like, we, right. how are you today? Oh, I'm doing right. great. Are right. you really are doing you great? Really? You know, kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. it's really learning to grow in authenticity and then learning the tools and particularly in our relationship with God uh, and insights from others that help us process that. When did that start to happen for you? When did you kind of begin to become aware that, hey, I've got some anxiety here. I've got some um, lack of confidence or this feeling of inadequacy that doesn't belong here. When did you become aware of that? And when did God start to, I mean, I'm sure he was working on it in your life from yeah. the beginning, right? But was there a period in your life where uh, the Lord really started to go to work in that in you? Well said. You know, I think from young on, I would say that I knew there was something that I was restless or anxious, but I didn't have the words for okay. it. Right? Sure. Uh, I didn't know how to articulate it, didn't know how to find my way through it. And then eventually you kind of think, well, this is just normal, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, so if it's anxiety for a test, oh my gosh, I'm afraid I'm not going to do well on the test, right? So I could get anxious. So I think it was it was kind of taken on as a way of life, which is pretty common, right? Yeah. From, from young on. And then you just, well, this is normal. This is what life is going to be like. Right. So um, it would only be in those times where I didn't have maybe the same pressure, the stress summers when you didn't have school and, you know, you didn't have the same expectations, at least schoolwork wise, that all of a sudden then it would kind of calm down more and you start to realize, well, hold it, this is very different. You had right? the space to notice the difference. You'd have the space and you didn't have the pressure, so to yeah. speak, or whatever that yeah. expectation was, whether it's a perceived or real expectation. Right. So you don't have that there. So then uh, you're kind of able to start to see the distinctions. I think yeah. a little bit of St. Ignatius, right? Where he had that experience where he started to reflect on what's going on interiorly when I think about different things. Yes. 
So if I'm thinking about, you know, something I'm really nervous about or I'm anxious about, well, how do I feel, mm -hmm. right? So from the psychological standpoint, we can start to begin to process those. But then we think about, oh, summer vacation or when am I most at peace, when I'm not, don't feel the pressure, when mm -hmm. I don't have to impress anybody, right, as a little kid, those mm -hmm. kinds of things. So again, not able to articulate all this. This is all kind of um, post-game analysis mm -hmm. that I'm offering to you right now. It wasn't like I had those insights. But I was super blessed because young on, I had this very contemplative draw to want to be alone with the Lord. And maybe it was in part to avoid. Didn't you have a tree house? Uh, yes, we had a tree house. That was actually when with I was even a little icons. older. You, you uh, I had a icons, picture. Right? I had a picture in there. A picture, yeah. Yeah. picture yeah. of Jesus. I now have it down a broom tree. The same one. So there was just this interior disposition in you from the get-go. Oh, yeah. Draw oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the draw to God in the interior life was, a, again, not that I could articulate these things, but when Something I was, was in the presence of God, there was a great interior peace. Mm. And so that he was my refuge. Mm-hmm. He was my place of refuge. Because imagine growing up in a Dutch and a German family and lots of boys, you don't like really sit down and say, hey, how you feeling yeah, today? Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's not the and type of thing. stick out like a sore thumb at your and, dinner table. Yeah, Tell they'd all be like, what's wrong with him, right? <laughs> so it really is this, you know, it was the Lord was my place, was my refuge. And part mm -hmm. was because I was afraid to speak about it, right? Because oh. you feel awkward and I don't know what to do with it as a little kid and yeah. maybe there's something wrong with me, right? Yeah. And you don't want to admit yeah. that when you're afraid of something, right? Yeah. So fear can be a great inhibitor on many, many levels to steal away the interior freedom. Yeah. So what you so early on, my little uh, treehouse would be an example. The woods was my little place, especially go down by the creek. I had mm -hmm. a little spot, I had a little... Uh, chunk of wood that I would sit on down there, listen to the stream go by. Those were the places that kind of helped everything calm down so that the spirit of peace could come up and interiorly I could have that friendship and relationship with God. Mm -hmm. So that was actually giving me a sense that I might be called to a more contemplative life, you know, when I would start to understand what, you know, maybe what see what it meant. Yeah. So as you were going then through the process of, seminary uh -huh. and formation to be a priest do you feel like as you entered more closely to your vocation some of this was continued to heal be healed just in in the ter in terms of becoming more of who god intended you to be or was it something that needed to be addressed before you could really freely receive god's call for your life yeah, you know, it's that kind of a hard question. It is a hard question. I kind of think of it as like a, it's like a closed fist. Somebody says, "Can you open your fist?" and it's like, "Well, no, I can't get my hands to do it," right? So you need to be able to receive enough grace in order to be able to trust God mm -hmm. or the person that we're entrusting ourselves to open our lives up to them, right? Mm -hmm. The interior things that we're thinking and feeling, the deepest parts of who we are. Um, so I need to feel safe, mm -hmm. right? I need to feel any of us. That's mm -hmm. just part of our core uh, psychology. Mm -hmm. um, so by the, to your point is seminary. Seminary became a place for ongoing learning, became a place for there's other guys who are considering seminary, and I could start talking more personally about what's going on interiorly with my spiritual director. Mm -hmm. So that was really the environment or the place to really start talking about what's going on inside. Mm -hmm. Relationship with God and what are the obstacles, mm -hmm. if you will, put mm -hmm. quite simply. And then discernment of one's vocation, certainly. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's really the learning and the experience through time that I would learn more and more how to do this, not only just psychologically, but how to pray. Mm -hmm. How do you relate these thoughts and feelings to God? Is it okay to even relate thoughts and feelings to God? Are we just supposed to receive? Are we just supposed to listen? Are we just mm -hmm. supposed to do whatever he tells us, right? Mm -hmm. 
how do I know how to relate to God? So uh, study, conversations, feedback from formators, spiritual directors. Oh, yeah. You know, again, picture like where I'm coming from, right? It's like, you know, you're being analyzed all the time in school and whether it's with family or other people's, um, the types of things we would do, there's, uh, at at times it's hard because, you know, perhaps like all of us, we like affirmation, Mm -hmm. but, you know, the lack of affirmation, whether it's a grade or someone says, you know, you shouldn't have done that Mm -hmm. or whatever, that can be like, oh my gosh, right? And we can feel yeah. bad about ourselves. So really spiritual direction in those that. places. That's a common thing. And well, I think it's um it's a reality for so many of us. Um, you're exactly right. Like the human person so needs affirmation. They need to be to be known, to be received, all of these things, because that's ultimately like a reflection of God's receptivity of us and, mm-hmm. and gift of, of himself to us. And I think it can be really difficult um to kind of try and uh, grasp at our worth at times, but then also if we feel inadequate, um, you meant you used that word earlier and it's interesting. Um, I think that's such a, it's just such a common human experience to feel, to feel inadequate, to feel yes. not enough. Oh yeah. And I'm curious if you see that particularly, I hear a lot of men use that word. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm, I just, I'm curious, like, why is that? Why is there this, sense uh, in us of not being enough and then how do we slow or how do yeah how do we invite god into that um to start to start healing that lie yeah great question so that uh from a a spiritual sense uh, goes all the way back to the book of genesis so all the way booked in the book of Genesis, all of our feelings were ordered by what's what's reasonably right, enlightened by faith, and motivated by charity or love, mm-hmm. right? So we are coming to this world with a certain broken inclination, and so things will affect us in a way that we're just weaker at trying to get rightly ordered. And many of us, perhaps most of our lives, are continuing to work on various aspects of these yep. things, right? That integration of some emotion, some thought, is it, is it right reasoned, is it ordered, those kinds of things. Are my motivations for the right reason, those kinds of uh, challenges we all have to work through. So I think it's really, you know, trying to delve into that a little bit more and understand that, first of all, because we have disordered thoughts and feelings, we shouldn't, it doesn't say anything about who we are as it relates to God, mm-hmm. but it can make us feel because of the way we're thinking, because it's disordered thinking that I'm not lovable. I'm not accepted. So when I'm picked second to the last amongst the the team of cousins and brothers for football, because I'm not as valuable, mm-hmm. right? That can be taken as a very personal thing as a little kid. That's just how we process it. We feel shame. And we can feel shame. We can feel embarrassed, right? Like, okay, now I need to overcompensate so I get picked at least, you know, not the second to the last, right? right? Whatever. Right. So there's and pride, right? So my point being is we all have a brokenness. And, and part of where the struggle happens is we attach that to our identity. So what we really need to do for the interior freedom is to start with relationship with God and healthy relationships with others to know that not only are we safe with these people, we are loved by God. Mm-hmm. And God's love is absolutely unconditional. As human beings, we're broken and we're not going to be perfect in, in manifesting kindness and love all the time, right? But if 
our identity is solidly relate in relationship with God, and we know we're loved regardless of what anybody else thinks, then we're not judging ourselves or going off the judgment of someone else. And that helps us live out of our true identity. And that's where interior freedom comes. Because we're living in love with the Lord. And one of the fruits when we are in union and receiving the gifts of the Holy Spirit is joy. So when something robs this freedom, so for example, I led a meeting today. This is like real life vulnerable example. Here we go, Bishop. Go for it. All right. I got all kinds of it. This is like so I led a meeting today and it just didn't go as well as I would have liked to. And I'm sitting with like really brilliant, smart, sure. great leaders, all of these things. And I get done with this meeting and my I wanted to hang my head low. Sure. Because I felt like oh, I just didn't land where I wanted to. Yep. Um, it was intimidating, right? I'm I'm the youngest person at the table. I think I was one of two women at the table. So just f- feeling a little bit insecure, feeling it's the, sure. the, the, that shame experience, right? Of, oh, I didn't yeah. get there, get, didn't get where I wanted to go. And... And I went back to my office and I'm aware of this. So I'm aware of, um, okay, Emily, you're leaning into this or you're listening to the lie a little yes. a little too much here, right? Yes, yes, um, yes. And by the grace of God, a coworker happened to walk in my office and I was like, oh man, that meeting kicked my butt and I need you to speak truth in my life and remind awesome. me how to do it, whatever. But you're can asking you speak for help. <laughs> yes, praise the Lord. It was just a moment. But Praise the Lord. Um, can you talk a little bit about when somebody gets um, stuck in that yes. when, when something robs your freedom like that um for i mean for me in this moment it, it just by the like i said by the grace of god somebody walked in and she said okay repeat after me and we and we literally awesome. just spoke truth to all of the lies that i was starting to believe about myself yes. and my work yes. and my yes. inadequacies yes. and that kind of thing but somebody always isn't walking into your office the moment you're feeling down or whatever right so what are some ways that we can reclaim interior freedom when something yep. comes along to rob our freedom. So let's talk about it from a spiritual vantage point and then the, the human, okay. right? Because you give a yeah. great example of, of human. It's not stayed into the spiritual because that was obviously yeah. uh, probably one of the great fruits that came from it. Yeah. So uh, one of the way, the first thing is to acknowledge what it is, right? So you were able to acknowledge it. That's yeah. good. Uh, so on the spiritual end, acknowledge, relate it to the Lord as quickly as possible. Mm. God, I'm feeling really crummy. Mm-hmm. I screwed up. I didn't do this. I should have. And then listen to yourself. I should have, I should have, I didn't, I wished I, I you know, they're better, they're, right? So you become aware of what's going on, that there's feelings that are not um, of the Lord. Yeah. Relate it to the Lord. Receive his love. I love you. It says nothing about your identity. Mm-hmm. And then I respond out of love. Mm-hmm. So that's just a simple little way to kind of categorize it, acknowledge, relate it to God, receive his love, and respond to that love. Mm -hmm. So if we apply it to your situation, just like you did, you acknowledged it with, you know, the coworker, you relate what's going on, they were able to speak truth to you Mm -hmm. so that you were able to receive the truth to identify the lies to help you see through what was going on. And then you had a choice. Do I want to respond to that or not? Mm-hmm. So I could stay in the darkness and self-pity or you know, mm-hmm. um, false expectations of self or whatever, rather than, no, I see, it's all these should-haves and I didn't do this and I you know, could have done better at that. So the should-haves often lead to the shame, right? Yeah. Whereas, no, when we acknowledge our limits and we live within those limits, okay, then we find into your better. freedom. 
that's all right. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly. Yeah. It's like, and it's okay that I might have felt that way, but that's just a feeling. It's not who I am. And you know what my temptation is? What? My temptation is to respond by grasping. Mm. So I wanted to, I mean, uh, because I didn't walk through those steps as beautifully as you articulated, I think the temptation for me was to try and respond by overcompensating. Yes. Trying to prove myself. Okay, so I'm going to send out a really great email. Yes, you're going to fix the problem, Man, aren't that you? email is going to be so good, and it's going to clarify all the things that I didn't feel like were clarified, right? You know what that is? What? It's a tendency for us to be self-reliant. <sighs> yeah. So I got this. I can do it. I just have to get better at it. Yeah. Right? Now, we can learn things like, okay, maybe I would have run the meeting differently. I would have brought more information or less information. I would have set more realistic expectations or I would have got insight from somebody before going into whatever, right? Right. So we can learn practical yes. things, but if it's the tendency to grasp, which is so common for us as human beings, yeah. we're trying to compensate for the interior experience yeah. we're having. Yeah. And we actually do the opposite of what's really authentic. Yes. And the authenticity is, yeah, okay. I'm relatively new at this. I'm learning. Yeah. I don't have to have it all figured out. I should just, let's go with the flow, see how it goes. God, I need more of you. So yeah. it's a turning towards God rather than your example is perfect because it's what we often do. I got to figure this thing out. Yeah. I got to control it. Yep. I got to yep. fix it. Yep. And we'll be in an endless cycle of discouragement and sadness and frustration because we're not perfect. Yes. So part of the hu or the human aspect of this, so I talked about the spiritual, yeah, what's the human? is being realistic with the expectations that we have. I'm terrible at that. Oh, I suspect you're not a perfectionist, right? Nope. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So any of us, I'll speak for myself, who are perfectionists, <laughs> who have those tendencies, yeah. and it can be lots of reasons, right? Yeah. There's lots of, you know, it can be a cultural thing that, you know, I've got German in me, right? Mm -hmm. And you see what German's mm -hmm. like, structure and order mm -hmm. and da-da-da-da-da. And our experiences with others that we're around right. and what we want and how we feel good about ourselves. Well, I have everything perfect and I feel good about myself, right? Yeah. Well, that perfectionism comes out in so many different ways. Comes out all kinds yeah. of, For me, it's not a perfectly clean house. It's not a perfectly ordered thing. It's not a perfectly, you know, structured whatever, but it's that every every experience that people encounter with me, I want it to go well. I want to have a good conversation. Yes. I want the meeting to be run well. It's it's I find perfectionism in this like desire for perfect relationship and harmony. Yes. So but I think but I think we all have that in various ways. For some people, it's yeah, I want it to look exactly <clears throat> like this or whatever. Um, it's a good so, question yeah. whether everybody has it, but certainly some of us are much more prone and there's can be various reasons why we have those inclinations too, sure. right? But notice what we're trying to do is we're trying to compensate. And what do most people really want? They just want the truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, so it, that's what I love about little kids and old folks. Yeah. The inhibitors are down. Yeah, they're so themselves. Exactly. They're not trying to impress. They're yes. not trying to be someone. They'll, you know, little kids will be dancing around, doing yep. whatever they're doing and yep. skipping down the, well, do adults do that? Yeah. yeah, once in a while you'll find someone that free, right? Yeah. And it brings uh, great joy. And it brings great joy because we yeah. see the authenticity of it. Yep. And it, it's it's so wonderful to delight in the reality mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. rather than the presentation of what how we want to be seen yeah. or understood yep. or 
Yeah. Appreciate it. So earlier you talked a little bit about how kind of your experience of, of some anxiety and fear, it became a way of life. Mm-hmm. And I, it's my suspicious suspicion that a lot of individuals um, at, at times myself as well, we are not even aware mm. of the places that we are not free oh, gosh, because no. it becomes a way of life. Yes. Right. Yes. So Bishop, how would you, cause somebody is, might, might be listening to this, like, gosh, I want to be free, but am I not free? How do I be, you know, like, and, and I think we have to be careful to not go digging yes, um, yes, yes, by yes, ourselves yes. in these places, never go into your own brain alone. I think that's what father Joe Vogel says. I love it. Um, how, but how would you encourage someone to begin this process of becoming more aware of perhaps places in their own life where God desires them to be more free? Yeah, I think it, it depends a lot on the person, mm-hmm. right, and how they best receive. So for some people, it might be, hey, I'm going to go on the internet and Google into your freedom. Or Catholic. Jacques Philippe. Yes, exactly. Catholic books on yeah. uh, or Catholic resources on into your freedom. And you gave a great example. Jacques Philippe in his uh, Into Your Freedom book would be one example. Uh, there's another one, Into Your Hands, Father, mm-hmm. uh, by Stinnison is his last name. So there's different resources like that that can actually, what I find if I'm reading something, it's like, that's it. Yeah, that resonates. Resonates. It's like the light's starting to turn on. And then they help to yeah. unpack why that is. Right. So that's where we can gain our understanding. And then what do we do about yeah. it? What's the role, speak a little bit more about community in that. You know, you mentioned briefly earlier finding people that you know love you and that you can build a, tr- a level of trust with. Yes. What do you think is the importance of community life in the life of a disciple um, in in their journey towards this to- this sort of interior freedom? Or, or maybe even in, in the context of marriage, family life. Yeah. You know, how can you encourage spouses um to experience this together. Several thoughts going through my mind. Um, so certainly I think back to, for example, a marriage prep, right? In preparing uh, engaged couples to be married. Uh, one of the common areas is communications. That it can be a challenge, right? And uh, it's not always the case, but it's fairly regularly. It's the guy, right? I don't want to sit down and talk about how I'm thinking and feeling, sure. right? Because our brains function differently, our natural gifts function differently. And so how comfortable are we about just being real about what's really going on? So if, if a spouse is angry with the other, is it just facial expressions and it's not being able to explain why they feel angry? Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't feel respected or loved or cared for mm-hmm. or appreciated, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever it might be. So any way that you can just cut, literally carve out time, it's that important for a married yeah. couple to do that. It's that important for me as uh, as a priest and as a bishop to make sure I have support systems where I can be really authentic. Confession, spiritual direction, and if you will, men's groups or now bishop group or priest group. Where like you have I'm, a bishop group? Yeah, that's fun. It's awesome. What's a bishop group like? Well, I can't speak about okay. it. Okay. No, I mean it's, it's basically <laughs> it's like a priest group. It's like a men's group. It's. But it's, but it's a trusted it. people yeah. that are similar experiences. Uh, could be dads, moms getting together, a few of them. Yeah. And just being really real. Yeah. Here's what I'm struggling with. Here's why. Can you pray with me? Being you know, okay what are your to be thoughts? Vulnerable. Just being vulnerable. There's something about being able to articulate that and you're not alone. Mm-hmm. See, that's one of the key things with Into Your Freedom. Spiritually, 
because loneliness often is uh, can be one of the key issues underneath of all of this, right? I'm afraid of rejection. I'm afraid of rejection of God. I'm afraid of rejection of my spouse, my my classmate, right? I mean, I lost a, a dear classmate in eighth grade. That was like really traumatic for me, right? Yeah. So it's those sorts of things where it triggers that's that interior. I don't want to be alone. Uh-huh. I'm afraid, right? Whatever's whatever the deeper core issues are that motivate us, or that we're sensitive around. Yeah. So being able to talk about those things and reaching out, like you did a fantastic thing after this meeting, like, hey, I just need to talk to you, your coworker. And then you were able to articulate, you were able to get it out, you're able to speak about it because you're a relational sort of person. Uh, Many of us don't have those same inclinations, like, ah, that's embarrassing, I don't want to have to do that, right? So uh, like family, you know, a, a simple example would be, I was really inspired by one of the families years ago, young, young, young family, and at the meal time, they would go around and they each had to share one rose and one thorn of the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it teaches people to be authentic on the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. So it's not like how'd your day go and fine. Mm-hmm. No, what was good about the day? Mm-hmm. What was bad about the day? Mm-hmm. Right? So you, you start to grow in comfort about talking about the things that are hard or difficult. So if it's your children, for example, as they... Can you grow older? What was a good thing today? What was a bad thing today? And let's let's talk about that. Oh, it must have been hard. So they know that, oh, they're being listened to. They're being yeah. loved. They're being cared for. You're speaking into their experience, whether it's couples, yeah. whether it's uh, parents with children, whether it's grandparents with grandkids, building those relationships where they can be authentic. And yeah, when I was your age, I struggled with this. Really, grandma? You know, or grandpa? So how can we be authentic like this conversation today where you're showing uh, uh, witnessing great vulnerability from your own experience of this meeting, right? Uh, and yeah, this is something we, these are ordinary things we struggle with and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Observe them, but don't get stuck in them. Mm-hmm. And there's yeah. interior freedom to be had. We learn, we practice, so spiritually and humanly. So the community life, whether it's a spousal relationship, family, whether it's faith communities, we're not in this alone. And the more we build the relationships and we're truly authentic with people in our lives, uh, then it builds a sense of that we're in this together and I got your back. Yeah. I will not abandon you. Yeah. It's the image that comes to my mind is that um, it almost forces the facade that so many of us desire to live behind. Oh. It just forces us to, to remove that because that's exhausting. And so Very when exhausting. we can remove the facade and find real freedom, there's great joy. Yes. And and uh, even energy almost because we, we're spending less time giving all of our energy to hiding or yep. to trying to prove or, or whatever that is. Yep. Um, so beautiful. Okay, Bishop, I've got one more question all for right. you. First Go of all, thank it. you, by the way, for coming on Lead Up to You're Life. It's, it's just a real joy to talk to talk with you. I, You're welcome. I told someone recently, it's amazing. Um, Bishop DeGruy knows the Lord, but he also knows the human person. Mm. And that's something really quite remarkable. Um, you, the way that you can speak about what it means to be human is is really quite captivating. Mm. And I think it's um, it animates and helps so greatly in your ability to speak about the Lord in a way mm. that we can receive and in that are drawn closer to him. So thank you for your tending, tending to the human person. Okay, my You're last welcome. question for All you. Right. All right, for it. I ask every guest that comes on Lead Him to Life, what is a question that you have been pondering? So this really mm. comes from this desire that I think in and through asking 
myself questions, my friends asking me questions, me asking questions of other people and of the Lord, and even at times the Lord asking questions of me, there's just been greater and greater clarity that can come through this pondering, right? Mm -hmm. This wonder. So I want to know, Bishop DeGroote, if there's a question that you've been pondering, but you can't answer your own question. Hopefully you don't have an answer to your question. Can it be related to the topic we're speaking about? Absolutely. So the question that comes to my mind as you're speaking is, how can I grow even more into your freedom, Lord, Mm -hmm. as a bishop? Mm. Right? So the point being is, I'm brand new. Well, 16, 17 months in, whatever it is. It still feels new. Yeah. Yeah. So there's still a lot of learning, and I'm still trying to find my way, and there's a lot of things I don't know yet. And, you know, so how can I just even more... Be free. Yeah, be free. How do you be free as a bishop with more demands, more expectations, more criticism or even positive letters, right? Because you're going you're gonna to get all that, just the volume of stuff that comes. Uh, and the role that you have, people will share their thoughts and feelings from mm-hmm. time to time mm-hmm. uh, for the good, for the bad. <laughs> and, and that's all good, right? Mm-hmm. Because if that helps the people of God, that's yeah. my role. Yeah. But how do I stay in the Lord that I can have all these concepts, acknowledge, relate, receive, respond, and, you know, relate, you know, talk to somebody. And But how can I just live even more, Lord? Because I want to live in the Lord's and let the Lord live so fully in me. So it's really, I want the Lord to live so fully in me and to continue to address what are the next steps in my growth? Because it's a lifelong journey. Yes. That's what I would say is my- Thank hmm. you for witnessing to that because it, it illustrates we're never arrived, right? There's always- Not till we get to There's heaven. always space for the Lord to continue to work greater joy, greater interior freedom to be found. It's true. Beautiful. Well, Bishop, thank you so much for coming on Lead Into Life. Friends, I hope that you love this episode as much as I do. Please share it with a friend or somebody that you think would benefit from it. Uh, Maybe listen to it with your spouse, especially. Um, I think our little conversation about the at the Hmm. end about how we as spouses can help each other find this greater interior freedom and to reflect that back to one another is a great gift. So I hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you next week.